Hello, and welcome to Yes, That Actually Happened, where we attempt to bring the weirdest parts of history to life. I'm Erin. This is Jay. Hi. Who also hosts the high school author wannabe podcast that you should totally check out. Oh, yes. This week's episode is so good. I'm worried. We recorded it last night. Let's just say no one that was recording was sober. Stay tuned for next week's topic and how you can support us. So our topic today focuses on animals in World War II. Very excited for this one. Animals have a long history of aiding people in war, whether it was horses carrying people into battle or pigeons carrying messages to headquarters to the front line. I have three main stories about animals within the war, along with other facts and general trivia as well. With that said, let's get started. I'm so excited. So the first subject I think you'll enjoy, it's about a cat. Yes. Specifically, a cat that acted as a mouser on ships during the war. Aww. His name was Unsinkable Sam. That's so cute, a little businessman. Cats have always been a part of mousing on ships. Obviously, when ships were tracking across oceans, limited amount of food supply, they couldn't risk having rodents get into it and eat the food, spoiling it. Of course, they were on there. Downside, things happen, ships sink. But back to Unsinkable Sam, also known as Oscar. This cat was allegedly on the ship Bismarck, which was a German battleship. On May 27, 1941, the ship sank, and out of the 2,100 crew, only 115 made it out. Yeah. It was really bad in that area, I guess, and a lot of the crew who survived ended up dying of exposure because it was really difficult to get to them, or they decided it would just, they couldn't risk going to try to rescue them. Downside of that. The story goes... This cat was found floating on a board in the middle of the ocean and picked up by the HMS Cossack, a British ship. This is where he was given the name Oscar. He was on the ship until October 24th, 1941, when the ship was damaged by a torpedo, killing 159 crew members. Thankfully for the rest of the crew, the ship was not destroyed and they were able to put them on the destroyer HMS Legion that tried to tow the Cossack to shore in order to, you know, fix it. Yeah. Oscar was also taken off the ship. It was because of the second brush with the sinking ship that he was nicknamed Unsinkable Sam. Oh, he's just living on spite. I don't don't know why he was named Unsinkable Sam instead of Unsinkable Oscar. Don't really get that part, but... Now, he ended up on the aircraft carrier, the Ark Royal, until it was also severely damaged from a torpedo on November 14th, 1941. Only one crew member died, though. Ah, whew. You know, at this point, I'm just seeing a pattern. I think this cat is just unlucky. I feel like they're like, oh, this cat is, like, so lucky because he survived. But he's like, no, actually, I'm actually taking down these ships and, like, planes and stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually love black cats. I have a black cat. She's amazing. But I'm just saying, well, this is a black cat with some white patterns on it. So definitely an unlucky little cat here. He probably started it. I'm going to blame him. It's his fault for the stigma against black cats. (laughs) Anyways, they tried again and failed to tow the ship to safety, and the cat, like some of the crew members, was found again floating in the ocean on a board. He's so good. (laughs) How does he do that? He would survive the Titanic, no problem. One called him angry but unharmed. He eventually spent the rest of his life on land in the governor of Gibraltar's offices. That's adorable. I would like to add a disclaimer, though. Technically, the story cannot be wholly proven. Some say it was not the same cat or used as a bolster for morale. There are pictures of this cat, but apparently there are different cats in some of the pictures that were rescued. So, not nope, sure if it's... Cat. We'll just say it's the same cat, but I'm just saying, historically, probably not an actual story. 
Yes, it is. But pretty fun story, since it's still around today, and I want to include it just to kind of also honor cats that were on ships during that time and other times as well. Next story, bear. Oh oh boy, this is not where I expected that to go. (laughs) Where'd you expect it to go? Maybe horses or something? Nope, bears. Bears, got it. Bears. Polish Army, specifically the 22nd Polish Supply Brigade, came across this orphaned cub while they were journeying from Russia back to Poland. He was at a railway station, apparently his mom was killed by hunters, so they bought him. Which, you know, makes sense. You can just do that. Just buy a bear. Remember, this is World War II. This is in the 1940s. You can do a lot of things in the 1940s. What do you need to... What what do you need a bear for in the 1940s? Maybe they wanted to give him a good life. Let's just keep going. All right. Bought this random bear cub. He was named Wojtek, and I'm using the English pronunciation of it. Uh, He was young enough that they fed him from a bottle like a baby. He had some issues swallowing as well, probably because he was pretty young. Remember, though, middle of the war... 1940s, so his milk was actually condensed milk, and the bottle was an empty vodka bottle because that's kind of all they had. Very Polish. Yes. <laughs> empty <laughs> empty vodka bottle. Not <laughs> like they had a lot of local pet smart that could just go up and pick up some bear supplies. I mean, you can just do that now, I guess. Now yeah. you can, yes. Yep. It's right there next to like, the fish. But this was in the middle of a war in the middle of a war zone. <laughs> And they were like, let's adopt this bear. And everyone was like, yeah, that's a good idea. It actually ended up being a really good idea. (laughs) He grew up really fast with them. Um, Some fun stories about him in camp. He was a pretty fast learner and quite a stinker. (laughs) Oftentimes, this group he was with was in desert areas, which, of course, hot, dry, causing him to get overheated, thirsty. He would cause issues with water shortages in the camp by going into the showers and turning on the faucets to cool himself off and, like, using up all of their water supply. Yeah, because why would you take a bear with you in the middle of war? <laughs> he remained friendly. They treated him well. He developed a taste for cigarettes and beer. <sighs> he often boxed and wrestled with the fellow soldiers, what? and he would help them carry large ammunition crates. Because, again, this is a 500 to 600-pound bear. He's like a pack horse. Yeah. And a dog. He was, like, helpful. He was a Syrian brown bear, which if you're interested in animal conservation, they are still in danger from hunting and habitat loss. He was basically a part of their family. In 1943, they were going to Italy. They couldn't take him on board because there was an issue with pets and transportation during the war. Does it count as a pet if it's a bear? Well, they made him a soldier so he (laughs) could actually board the ship. In case you're wondering, he's a corporal. Corporal. I love it. I want him. I want one. They made him a soldier so he could join them. He had his own pay, his own rank, his own serial number, everything, which actually helps because it you know, helps feed him and stuff like that. Where does he spend his money on? Cigarettes and beer, I guess. I and food, probably. Question. And water for them since he keeps using up their water. He pays them back. He eventually lived out his life in the Edinburgh Zoo in Scotland. At the end of the war, lived to a ripe old age of 21, which most bears in the wild, I guess, average about 25 years. He died in 1963. There are a bunch of memorials and statues, including a bronze statue in Edinburgh dedicated to this special bear, and he has a plaque in the London Imperial War Museum. That's so cute. <laughs> He's adorable looking. I, you know what, I'll take two, actually. You've convinced me. Where are you going to put a 500-pound bear? I'll figure it out. They figured it out. I can. 
Last story is about a dog. Puppy. Dogs played a large role from World War One and even modern day. Their companionship, willingness to learn, and ability to pick up sounds outside of our range kept many people safe. This dog is named Chips, and he was owned <laughs> by Edward J. Wren. Oh, that's such a good dog name. Because of the usefulness of dogs in the war, just like people at that time were drafted, the army actually asked people to donate their pet dogs for service. Now, obviously, not all the dogs were accepted. Sometimes they didn't perform well. During training, they were given back to their families. But, like, Aww. some ended up having a really good career in the war. Mm-hmm. Chips did very well. He served for several years and was honorably discharged. So don't worry, Jay. This animal survived. All right, good. More, more I was Someone was going to die. I don't care about the people, but the second an animal dies, I would be like, well, bye. I mean, there are some of the dogs that the stories I read that participated in were obviously were killed in the service. But in this case, Chips did not die. He was a German Shepherd Collie Husky mix, which all separately great working dogs. He was most well known for his part in the 1943 invasion of Sicily. Mm -hmm. His handler, Private John Rawell, and other soldiers were pinned down by enemy fire. Chips broke away from them, which, by the way, was not his job and not something he was trained for since he was more of an alert dog versus doing stuff. He ran across the beach, jumped into the gun nest where the enemy were firing, and apparently bit a lot of the soldiers in there, (laughs) grabbed the machine gun. He grabbed it? I I don't know if he actually, like, like, he kind of got it off of its thing. And he drug one of the Germans out, according to his handler, and then the others followed, giving up. Oh my gosh, that's iconic. Of course, the, such actions are very repercussions. He did suffer some burns and a scalp wound, but overall fine, still fit for duty. He was also part of the guards who were stationed for the Winston Churchill and Franklin D. Roosevelt conference. He also gained notoriety for biting Dwight D. Eisenhower's mm-hmm. hand in 1945 before he was president when the guy went to pet him and thank him for his service. That'd be awkward. Whoops. Because that you know that bite could have taken off his whole hand. Yeah, they understood that he was just doing his job. Yeah, I mean, he's a war dog. He's, he's trained to be, like, wary of strangers. I guess, apparently, when he went into the military, he had bitten a garbage man, so... Mm-hmm. Might just be his habit. But he, he also can hold, like, big machine guns in his little paws. So, you know, I think that's okay trade. He was returned to his home, although he did die less than a year after returning. At least he got a good retirement. I'm sure his family loved on him and treated him like a king when he got back. Of course. There's a great picture I'll put up on our website and social media of him actually being returned to his family. Aww. Chips ended up being awarded a Purple Heart and a Silver Star for his service, but these were later taken back. There was a bit of a blow-up because technically they're people awards and given to animals. People Why would really... people get mad about that? I'm just going to assure you that they eventually made a medal that's dedicated just towards animals that's to do it instead. Years after his death in 2018 and 2019, he was awarded the PDSA Dickin Medal and the Animal in War and Peace Medal for Bravery. Aww. The son of the original owner, 76-year-old John Wren, accepted the award on behalf of Chips, obviously long gone by then. No, he lives forever. He was four years old when Chips retired and was brought back to him and quoted as saying, I remember going to the station with my father and the others and having friends and all kinds of people around, but I mostly remembered when I saw him in the cage and realized that was my dog coming home. I was quite excited. I would be too. I would never let my dog go to war. 
Even though the medals were not awarded till after his death, he was acknowledged for his duty, so animals, you know, did get their own medal distinguished eventually. The Dickens Medal was actually created to honor animals in World War II since they don't have their own medal. It's been continued to be awarded to animals for various courageous acts, including two guide dogs who were awarded it during 2001 for getting their owners out of the towers. Hmm. Not just about war anymore. Yeah. It is said to be the equivalent of the Victoria Cross, the highest award you can receive in Britain for valor in the presence of the enemy. Yeah. If you're interested in Chips, Disney does have a movie about him that is unfortunately not available on Disney+. Plus. That's weird. I know. Other animals we will talk about include glowworms, which mostly <laughs> used in World War One, but they were used to kind of sense when mustard gas was around. I guess they kind of clamped up and, like, closed their pores when mustard gas was around. Imagine the person that has to walk around and their whole job is to carry, like, a box of glowworms. Yes, like, but... guys... Mask up, mask up. Mask up. Uh, the worms say that there's mustard gas right now, so we gotta listen to the worms. I'm just saying, mustard gas was pretty caustic, so I'd be totally okay with this. <laughs> I want that job. <laughs> Homing pigeons were also integral to earlier war efforts before there was a reliable way to communicate long distance. This was a very dangerous job since they were often flying by enemy lines, and you know, enemies know they're carrying messages that they don't want to reach their intended targets, so they were often. Shot down. We gotta shoot down the birds, you guys. I mean, it makes sense. I'm not saying it's great, but I'm just saying it does make sense if you think about... Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> 32 pigeons in World War II were recognized for their service, getting the Dickin Medal. William of Orange, yes, pigeon's <laughs> name, was in the British military and got a medal for delivering a message from the Arnhem Airborne Operation, which ended up saving over 2,000 lives. The only thing I don't get is how did the pigeons know where to go? They were just trained. They're homing pigeons. You train them where to go. It's a bird. How do you train it to go somewhere? I don't get it. Like, I, listen, I understand a short distance, but if you have, like, how do you, how? That doesn't make any sense. They just know where to go. Birds work for the bourgeoisie, okay? They're not real. Everyone knows that. They're drones. Anyways, <laughs> this William of Orange pigeon ended up being bought back by his original breeder, Sir William Proctor Smith, and he became, and I quote, the grandfather of many outstanding racing pigeons. What was happening back then? I mean, we still happening? use dogs in wars now. I know. That's because dogs are smart. I'm mostly I mean, hung the- up on the bird thing. But I again, just don't they, really they like deliver- birds. I know, but they delivered important messages. They were very integral for communication. No cell phones back then to like be like, "Hey, dude, we're cut off here. We need reinforcements." I'm just saying that birds aren't real. And yes, that actually happened. We want to just honor all the animals that participate in World War II and any war, doing whatever duty they were trained or used for. Just all, all good doggos and birds. And cats that don't die. And I guess that one bear. <laughs> if you have any further questions on the topics we've discussed or would like some source material to do in your own research, you can drop by our revamped website, yesthatactuallyhappened.com. We also have pictures posted on all of the subjects today because there are some cuties. <laughs> if you'd like to support us and get access to fun show notes, doodles, and bloopers, find us on Buy Me a Coffee and Patreon. Any further questions, sponsorship offers, or episode ideas, email us at yesthatactuallyhappendpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned to our next episode, part two of Odd Crimes and Mysteries in History, where we will discuss a missing person and a series of murders. Heck yeah, so excited. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Bye.